All right, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. Today we have Tyler Dickerhoof. Tyler, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here, man. It's great to be here. So when I was doing my book launch, everybody, On Purpose, With Purpose, I found Tyler's podcast on the Impact Driven Leader. And guys, the Impact Driven Leader podcast is phenomenal. Your community, your book club. And I said, man, this is somebody I would love to get to know and share what I did in my book, On Purpose, With Purpose. And you invited me on the the podcast and we just totally hit it off. And I not only just love what you're doing and your your own story, but where you're coming from. So thank you so much for being part of serving me when we didn't even hardly even know each other. I really appreciate well, that. Well, thank you. And it's my pleasure. And it's uh, really, I go about doing what I do in order to meet people like you and, and so many others that, you know, give me a different perspective in life that I can grow from examples of your journey. And it is a, it's a pleasure for me. And it's also, I realize that it's through that community that we all grow and transform. And as you talked about in your book, On Purpose With Purpose, it's really through that community and those people that help you that our purpose is really lived out. And that's where I feel that I am, I kind of finally am. And it's been a, a winding, twisting journey, but it's been so valuable. And I'm thankful for the lessons. And again, it wouldn't be for those things for me not have the opportunity to get to know people like you. Well, thank you, brother. And we were just talking to everybody listening in before we got started. Some of those, you know, what leadership, how to lead, how to be, uh, you know, a strong man or, uh, you know, a strong woman out in the world. A lot of the things that we were taught and that have some good short term results long term are really counterproductive. And so that's what I, I wanted to talk to Tyler today about some of those things that what are some of those things where we can actually now uncover maybe some of those blind spots, increase our influence, increase our impact? And in doing that, we're always going to bring more joy into our lives and the lives of other people. So I just want to share yeah. just a little bit about Tyler. You're an, a mentor and advisor to entrepreneurs and executives. You work with them on actually what effective leadership not only is, but then how to bring it into their organization if you guys uh, have ever heard of Isagenics, we use that, but you built an organization of 200,000 people. And having been in that world in the past, I know how, how much work in a servant heart it takes to do that. So I know that there was probably definitely some stories from that that are going to be coming out. You went to Cornell 20 years. You've been an entrepreneur, started businesses, generated $700 million in sales, had some serious highs and lows. So let me just ask you, maybe bring me through kind of that journey. You know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners and coaches in the audience or people that just want to kind of go to the next level. What were some of those big things about your journey that really stand out to you, Tyler? Well, I mean, from an entrepreneur point of view, I really look back. I grew up on a farm. I grew up on a farm in the Midwest in Ohio, and that's really kind of where I would say entrepreneurship started. I can remember being 10 years old and writing the first thousand dollar check to buy an animal. And I look back to those lessons. Why I start there? Because that's where essentially my roots are. Now, that's also where the roller coaster starts. Wait, guys you know, back then. Hold on. Wait, guys back then were writing, spending a thousand dollars to buy their first car and you bought an animal. Uh, that is correct. I was 10 and I did that. And um, yeah, that what did you buy? I, got, I just got to know. 
she was a Jersey heifer. And let me take you on this roller coaster ride. She was a Jersey heifer. I bought the heifer from very close family friend. My family grew up with Holsteins. If you know anything about cows, they're the black and white cows. Jerseys are brown. I wanted a Jersey. So I went and bought this heifer. And about six months later, she died. Okay. I'm 10 years old. This is the roller coaster of entrepreneurship that we're talking about. I then proceeded. It was, I'll save you the, the details, but I ended up getting insurance money for her. So I went and bought another cow. And again, that was the ups and downs. And that was something I just, I grew to kind of understand. And now, I mean, I haven't thought about this. I haven't told necessarily this as part of my story, but you know, that is entrepreneurship. It's like, you have this great idea. You're super excited. And you know, I had a lot of success with this cow. I, I showed her at the fair. She did well and she died and that happens. And what do you do? Do you go crawl in a hole? Nope. I went and did it again because I understood that was just part of the cycle. And, you know, just tie this back into your question. I think, you know, too often I see entrepreneurs that and they want to ride the roller coaster up and they're like, oh, it just keeps going up and up and this is fine. And yeah, there's clinking and there's clinking. And all of a sudden you get to that first hill and there's just kind of this like pause and you're like, oh, what's next? And down you go. And, you know, I think part of that is in life in general too, is the faster the ride down, you're going to do two things when you get to the bottom. You're either going to crash and burn or then you're going to start going through it. And that's what makes a roller coaster fun. I wouldn't say that's what makes entrepreneurship fun, but again, that's where, where my journey started. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, it'd be so nice if that metaphor would really, you know, in hindsight, those rides down, you look at it and go, you know, that was fun because this is what I learned about myself. This is what I learned about people. This is what equipped me to be able to succeed at that next peak. But when you're in that what feels like a free fall and then it starts to bottom out. You're feeling those G forces, like just compressing your yeah. body. Then, you know, in the moment in life, you're like, yeah, not so much fun. Uh, no, but, I mean, but I do not, think not at all. But what I like about that metaphor though, is when we do look back and put things in context and realize that, Hey, this isn't, you know, that drop. Cause we're all going to have them as entrepreneurs. We're going to have, yeah. A deal goes sideways. Somebody we hired, it thinks it's going to be amazing, not work out. You know, like what's happening now in the world, the economy might go against us. That is part of the landscape of business and entrepreneurship. And, you know, and sometimes I think about it. I have to keep this in mind, Tyler. It's like when I'm driving down the road, like I'm in Minnesota right now visiting my mom. There's potholes. I mean, this is we have <laughs> 10 months of winter and two months of pothole repair season. Right? Yeah, exactly. So when you bottom out on a pothole. I can get angry and mad at the pothole, but guess what? The pothole is part of the roads here. And these are part of entrepreneurship. And what I have to realize is it's not about the fact that I succeed or fail. It's I had to, and this is as my identity got stronger, my, my understanding of who I was improved over, and this was a, a process. Then I realized is, you know, everything that happens to me, I started to look at it from this perspective is A, Regardless of the outcome, is there anything I did well, something I can take away from that that I can build on? And then what did I learn? Is there anything I learned in that that, hey, next time, maybe I can make a better decision. Maybe I can handle a difficult conversation a little bit better. I, I'm not going to just change overnight, but I like that metaphor. Well, I think, you know, as you allude into that, it's like, you know, the first time you hit a pothole, you're like, oh, that sucked. And then next time you start to look out for them, 
Does it mean that you're always going to miss the potholes? No. Sometimes you got a semi sitting beside you and you can't help but just drive through it. And you're like, all right, this is going to suck. But I, I have to go through it to continue down the path. And I think what's so important there is, you know, when we stop and reflect, oh, okay, let me not hit that pothole again to use this analogy out, is we can look at others and say, well, why did you hit that pothole? It's like, well, it doesn't mean because I learned that don't hit potholes because that could damage your car, you know, just not be fun, that I'm going to miss everyone forward. I just need to know how to react to them. I need to know, hey, is this something that's really going to damage my car? Or is this just, hey, that's a bump. Let me keep moving on. It's not a big deal. And, you know, that's really, I think, again, a part of entrepreneurship. I mean, to take a couple decades forward, that was 08, 09 for me. You know, as we're talking about my journey in entrepreneurship, I, you know, grew up on a, a farm in the Midwest, went to Cornell University and then moved to California. I was a nutritionist for dairy cows. And 0809 was was tough in a lot of business sectors, including agriculture. And having my own business, I ended up, you know, having some challenges and trying to deal with with costs. And I was new into business. I'd only been in my career about six, seven years. And I took some lumps. And it was a moment where I can remember, I remember exactly where I was at. I, I was taking a hay sample. So I was taking samples, analytical samples, and I'm out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm by this stack of hay and I get this phone call and it was a client saying, Hey, we're no longer going to work with you. And I fell down on my knees and I just started praying. It's like, God, what are you doing? Like, help me understand. Because at that point I had, you know, two little kids. My wife was, you know, at that point leaving her career as a, a hairstylist to become, you know, a mom for our family. And I'm like, God, like, help me understand. And I didn't realize then what I was praying for was really going to play out over the next five, six years and, you know, losing more business to ultimately, you know, create a life change. We ended up leaving California, moving to Spokane, Washington, where we live now. And that ultimately, you know, brought us our greatest opportunity in network marketing that fell into our lap. And, and I know quite honestly, I would not be sitting here today without those challenges because those off ramps, those forced off ramps forced me to grow. And it wasn't really about this business or that business. It was about Tyler growing as a person and understanding how I dealt with, you know, tragedies from my childhood that still crept into all of my business endeavors into my, you know, thirties. And it was really in my later thirties dealing with those that, you know, kind of brought me to the space of being able to, I guess, have influence and impact and really from that say, Hey, I want to serve people. So. Well, yeah. And that's a big shift because you talked about, Hey, you know, one of the big highlights of your journey was really understanding that, Hey, it's not about you and learning how to be empathetic for other people in their situations. And that transition from almost kind of the arrows pointing in, pointing at you, pointing at Tyler, pointing at, you know, in my life, pointing at me, but moving those arrows. So I'm actually pointing them out is for some people can be a really difficult transition. So when will you talk about growth in how did that growth happen? Well, I think to, you know, tie this back to one of the other things that we were talking about is, is there's a point in life where whether it's being goal driven, achievement driven, it is, you know, I know for like yourself, when you were, you know, looking to get to top gun school, it was very I have to be the top of my class, right? It's very me centric. I'm not out there saying, how can I help all the other pilots in the squadron be better? 
it's, yeah, that's a part of it, but at the same point, so you don't crash and burn, but yet I got to get better. And so it's, it's this dichotomy that we face in life. And as I've learned, that's the difference between short-term thinking and long-term thinking. Very short-term thinking is how can I take care of preserve myself today? Long-term thinking is how can I take care of myself in the context of everyone else? And to me, that's really living out empathy. So let me kind of give you the, the cataclysmic point that that happened. I was 14 years old, again, growing up on a farm. It was a Saturday afternoon and I was moving some wagons. So wagons that we put hay in. And my younger brother, who was three at the time, was in the, the grass area beside me where I was working and he waved at me and I was driving. And as I drove and made a circle, I looked back and he, he was laying in the driveway where I'd just driven and he died. And mm. from that moment forward, you know, the next, you know, couple images and memories that I have is one specifically is I'm, you know, talking to the sheriff. He's asking, Hey, what happened? And he's sitting on the hood of his car and I'm standing up. I'm maybe all of about five, I don't know, probably five, 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 six, you know, just a young kid. And he's asking me, he's like, Hey, what happened? I said, dude, it was an accident. And I'm glad to answer whatever question you have, but I'm going to go inside that barn because there's 50 cows that aren't going to take care of themselves. So I'm going to take care of them. And if you want to ask me questions, come along with me. And it wasn't until probably two or three years ago. So that happened in 1994. It was two or three years ago. So 24 years after it, I'm sitting at the gym and I just got done working out and I had some challenges in my businesses at that point. And I felt this, you know, what I would say, God, you know, say, Hey, Tyler, this is how you deal with stuff. And what I realized he was saying is I just put my head down and push when mm. something's difficult, hard. I just put my head down and push. And it was around that time too, where I had been exposed to a 360 assessment. And it was, you know, assessment from a lot of my peers and people I worked with everything else. And one of the things that was really overwhelmingly glaring in that is that it was all about me. And as I stopped and contemplated that, I was like, it's not about me. I don't really have like these pinnacle, you know, goals where I want to be X, Y, Z, number one. I've never really been like that. So how, how would you explain that difference in in perception, right? Your perception is I'm the servant leader. The perception of everybody around you when you look at this feedback is not so much. And sometimes that is kind of hard for us to reconcile, but it's really about closing that gap. But when you first got that feedback, what was going on in, in your thinking? Man, help me understand this, right? Mm -hmm. I don't get this. Why is this? And you know, as I've learned from them, there's such a difference that we're taught especially from a consultancy point of view. You know, there's probably a lot of consultant type entrepreneurs, coaches listening. And, you know, I grew in that business and part of that consulting business, my strategic brain set, my analytical is find the problem, you know, find the problem, identify the problem, magnify the problem. That's what you need to go fix. And that was the error in my ways, because when you do that to people, they feel pushed away. However, when you go and identify, hey, this is what's working really well. This is what you're great at. Let's do more of that. Inherently, as I've learned, you call people to join you. They want to be more a part of you. And so it was really this idea of how I went around business was I was really good at strategically finding the problem or saying, hey, here was how we fixed the problem. And in some cases that worked great. 
In other places, that was a major challenge because it was really derogatory. People felt attacked. They were like, well, it's all about you and what you're trying to get because in a business sense and consulting sense, you're trying to sell a product, you're trying to sell a service. They're like, well, you're not here to help me. You're just trying to sell your product, your service. And it was like, no, I'm trying to solve your problem. I see your problem. You can't see your problem. That's part of all of us, right? But yet that isn't how great coaches work. That isn't how great consultants work. That isn't how great salespeople work. They say, hey, I want to help you go. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? John, where do you want to go? Tell me where you want to go. And oh, if I can help you along the path, great. If not, well, let me tell you, you know, introduce you to my friend, you know, uh, Alan, because he can help you get there. And as I learned through that process, you start to become a partner as opposed to this diabolical yin and yang, two sides to it. You know, when I was a young leader, I'll never forget, I went into this guy I completely respected. I loved the results that he had. Things were, he was a driven guy, but he just brought out the best in everybody around him, challenged us. And I said, hey, you know what? It's my goal to succeed as a leader. What advice would you have for me? And you know what he told me? He said, you know what? Every single day, go find somebody that you can serve and add value to. I don't care if they're senior to you, junior to you, they're in your department or not in your department. And he goes, listen, you might never get any like public accolades or affirmations or recognition, but if you're the person that builds your success on helping those around you succeed, he goes, "Uh, your career will take care of itself. Be open to input, be open to feedback. So this is some of the things you're talking about. But it's kind of this notion of a rising tide lifts all boats. And here's what I Mm -hmm. like, you know, I do a lot of work with coaches and I tell them, you know, I don't feel like I've ever gone out and sold coaching. I just have a whole bunch of conversations with people. And I add, my goal is to add so much value and develop a relationship. We get to a point where they're like, you know what? I think I'd really like to work with John there's something different there, right? It's all about helping Mm -hmm. me. And it was interesting. I shared that. And I was asked to come in and speak at an entrepreneur class right before COVID at a uh, university here in Denver. And I shared that notion. And I got to tell you, 80% of the questions from these young, you know, college students were like, well, how could you do that? If you give somebody else the credit, aren't you going to fall behind? You're not going to get promoted. You're not going to get the opportunities. You're not going to get the bonus. And I shared with them. I said, well, I've tried that method. And you know what? It'll have some short-term results. But I'm just telling you this as somebody who's led an organization with, you know, large numbers of people, I'm not going to promote anybody into a meaningful leadership position that's all about them. And I think that's a great lesson to just kind of reinforce. Yeah. In a lot of ways, it's counterintuitive. And yet it's totally intuitive. You know, we think about who are the people we want to be around? The people that, you know, lift us up, the people that encourage us, the people that, you know, say nice things and, and we're like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize you noticed. And I think part of that is for me and my starting my sales and consulting role is it was told, hey, go add value to people. But I had no idea what that meant. I thought that was go solve their problems. You know, to me, that was, you know, how I could help. And it wasn't, hey, just go sit and listen to them. Go find out what they want to accomplish. Go find out, you know, what challenges they have. Go find out and then be willing to say, hey, man, I'll try to help you. I don't know if I can, but if I don't, I'll go find somebody else. And and what I did learn is the people that I had 
now looking back, the people that I was around that handled it that way, whether their previous you know business training was that way or they were that way themselves, had all the clients they wanted to have. And yet it was, you know, kind of, again, this challenge between a high pressure sales, high pressure sales is go force your product on anyone and everyone. And, you know, to me, it's a scorched earth program. And I've been there. I've done that. And it's really lonely because you end up driving more people away rather than, you know, bringing people in. And and as I learn and I walk through the process, man, I'd much rather build a relationship with someone and them have a good experience and say, hey, you know what? Tyler was looking out for me. He wasn't trying to force anything upon me. He wasn't trying to sell me anything. He was just wanting to know about me, was curious. And to me, that's really the best description of empathy that I can have is to be curious. Man, that's great leadership, but it's also great marketing. And I think great leadership and great marketing go hand in hand. Completely agree because people are attracted to people that they really, you know, you know, you hear the no like and trust, but it's so true. I want to get to know you mm-hmm. and do I like you as a person and would I trust you to not only help me, but p- to be a partner in moving towards something. So with that, how do people find you, connect with you? What are some different websites so people can follow up and keep the conversation going, Tyler? Yeah, so I have a, a website, tylerdickerhoof.com, theimpactdrivenleader.com, which is kind of the website for my book club, also my podcast. You know, through that book club, we, we read books, books that have impacted my life. But then, you know, part of that is a roundtable where, to me, transformation comes in groups. As you well know, John, as you're working with people is, is when they either work with others or surround those people around them to, to help identify their blind spots. That's where I was able to transform. And that's something that I really want to bring to others because I believe, you know, the things that you said about, you know, that classroom where they're like, John, that's counterintuitive. That's the world that we're trying to lead, but it's also there's a lot of leaders in in what I believe is the Zennial generation, the Gen X millennial generation that are trying to find that. And so my desire is to help others transform through that process like I had to, or as my purpose is, is to help other leaders get healthy too, because only when a leader is healthy or on the path to getting healthy, can they really serve others at the best capacity that they have. Yeah, I love that. And now let's do this as we kind of wrap up. What is, you know, I would love to, maybe if you could share a couple things. Hey, what are you doing? How are you serving now out in the world? And what is, you know, everybody listening to increase their impact, their influence as a leader? What advice would you have? What is that next small step that you think people can take that would really have start to move the needle? Yeah. So, I mean, the ways that I'm, you know, obviously the podcast, the book club, like I talked about, you know, mentioned earlier, Isogenics Business, that's a, a platform to be able to serve a lot of people in a, in a much different ways, whether, you know, our personal team or the organization at whole. One of the other things that I'm probably, two other pathways that I'm really probably passionate about is, is really helping you sports. I know your boys played sports. I know your son, you know, plays baseball. My oldest is a soccer player. My, my daughter's a dancer. My oldest is a daughter who's a dancer. My son, oldest son's a soccer player. My youngest son's a basketball player. And what I realized is there's a lot of coaches, many like leaders, coaches that are coaching youth sports that have no idea how to coach kids. It really comes back to that idea of like, do you encourage them or do you break them down? And so I'm passionate about that through my son's soccer club to help the players personally develop, help the other coaches develop. But with that, just being a part of that in my community, 
whether it's bringing leadership capacities through like the global leadership summit, which I helped, you know, uh, mm-hmm. have a live site through whether it's, you know, my work through the John Maxwell leadership foundation, bringing a lot of those values to this community, other communities. So those are things that I'm passionate about that to me, that just comes back to adding value to people. And I know if I add enough value to people, they're going to be exactly what you said earlier. It's like, Tyler, how can we work together? And then, you know, on top of that, it's from a standpoint of how else can I show up is I want to show up as someone that has, is walking the path. I I don't have it figured out. I surely don't, but I want people to see that, you know, I'm consistent. My word is my bond. Integrity is of high value, being honest and open, but then being very transparent and to say that, Hey, I'm still working through those challenges. Help work with me. You know, let's do this together because I believe in that community that's when you transform. And when you transform, you help other people transform as well. Well, you know what? I love what you said there. You know what? You don't have to show up as the expert, right? You can show up and help somebody. Even if you maybe even haven't dealt with that, you can help them maybe think through it. You can connect them to somebody you know has an expertise there. Maybe you can recommend a book. And the other thing that you said that I think leaders really need to take seriously, and that is community. I was actually just talking, uh, I got introduced to the guy who's the head of neuroscientific leadership. It's a big title. He teaches at Oxford over in the UK. Now they have studied this and they actually have, uh, what do you call it? Not evidence. Well, you know, yeah, outcomes, right? They measure outcomes. When you are in community, when you're working either on a goal or working through a challenge, your results are four times, 4x better when you do it in community than when you try to do it alone. And I saw something recently. It was by a group. I think it was Pinnacle Forum or Convene, you know, that does the roundtables. But they looked at Christian leaders in general, pretty broad category, by the way. Or <laughs> you could be a, in a leadership role and be a Christian, so you were included in that. But less than 3% of that entire group here in the U.S. is in a community. Now, that is something I think that'd be one thing that everybody here, whether it's in Tyler's group, my group, go find a group, create a group. But I think that is one small step that you can take and go find some people and just say, hey, what if we all got together and started serving and supporting each other to the best that we can? And we even just get together once a month, right? Do it over Zoom, get together in your backyard, but, you know, join a book club, read something. And then, you know, you're talking with people, hey, how do I apply that? Man, I struggle with that one. And then you find out that everybody else in the group struggles with the same thing. You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm not alone. This is great. I'm I'm encouraged because a couple of these people have had some breakthroughs. So, you know, it's these little things that we can do, these small steps that over time yield just phenomenal big results. But, you know, it is a whole bunch of small steps strung together. To layer on that, I think, you know, especially as whether it's, you know, Christians, Christian men, Christian women have been, you know, go join the, you know, the 6 a.m. coffee Bible study. And while I think that's valuable to me, I think that that really hurts us as a society. And the reason why I think is part of being a Christian to me is not segregating myself, but living out my values so that way others can see it. And so I've done this now for a couple of years, been a part of, of different, you know, men's groups where we'll get together, we'll have coffee and, and we'll either go through a book or we'll talk about different values. And it's, we do for the most part have the same Christian faith, but yet it's not about that. And I think that's what you're identifying is when we choose to get into those groups and, and sometimes we're going to be challenged, but if we can say, Hey, I'm here to show up to support you 
man, that all of a sudden gives me great perspective. And I think what's interesting about that is I look at the greatest growth in leadership that I have had is being a part of a network marketing organization. It has nothing to do with network marketing, has to do with the fact that I've been thrust into this role to serve and lead others with completely different backgrounds, beliefs, everything. And yet I still need to find the, the common ground. And whatever office you're working in, I can almost guarantee there are people with a different background, a different family experience, different beliefs. And in order to be empathetic, we have to be accepting of those and curious. And I think when we do that in a safe place away from work, man, we're more able to do that within our work. And that to me is what really what creates these healthy leadership opportunities and cultures to where people are like, oh, what? John really cares about me. And if John cares about me, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up because I see part of that bigger you know, goal, which comes back to what, I, what you noted earlier, the four-time greater response. To me, that is when people recognize, hey, the greater goal is bigger and better than what my personal goal is. And that's when you can see that 4X. Yeah. And I just want to point out, right, a Bible study serves a great purpose but when you're there you're mm -hmm. kind of receiving right you're being taught yeah, you're getting totally. knowledge you might be talking about some takeaways what we're talking about is being in a group where you actually and a lot of us are just natural we want to serve and support others but being in that role where we are actually allowing ourselves to actually be a little bit vulnerable put things yeah. out there share our challenges and get people to sow into that give us advice pray with us connect yep. us to resources. It has to be this environment where it's driven by relationships, conversations, giving and receiving. When those are there, all of a sudden you got something that's super powerful. So Tyra, that's awesome. Thank you much, uh, so much for sharing. Just any last thought as we, as we wrap up here? You know, I, I just thank you for this platform to to have these conversations, to be able to share a little bit about my story. And as you talked about, you know, the, the great action point for, I think, listeners is, you know, really find that community, find that ability to transform, find that, you know, central subject that you can focus on. And also part of that, by taking that step in action, you're doing, which I think is the number one important thing from a leader's perspective, and that is lead yourself. Because mm -hmm. if you can't lead yourself, you can't possibly leave others. And, you know, that's something that I had to grow into. I had to understand what showing up and leading myself was and then realizing it wasn't about me. And I think that can happen through that process for everyone listening in. Awesome. With that, buddy, thank you so much. Keep knocking them alive out there and we'll talk to you soon. All right. I appreciate it.